Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. to Supercoach Edge, where we'll be bringing you all of the insight, analysis, and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam. Now, mate, how did you navigate even more defensive carnage with Clark being dropped? <laughs> with Ridley going down also, it uh, obviously didn't help, but um, yeah, it was a really, really crazy, brutal weekend filled with carnage. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy weekend, starting out, obviously, with uh, Clark being dropped almost, I guess, a bit uh, unexpected as well. Had to make some last-minute changes to my team, unfortunately, and then Riddler uh, obviously went down with that concussion in the first quarter. Um, it would have been on for a pretty, pretty pretty good score by the looks of it, scoring 31 um, off a quarter of football. Mm. Uh, what could have been, I guess. It was definitely very nice of uh, good old Chris Scott to um, deliver that present to all of, our, all of us coaches. Don't say his name. He who must not be named. Before we get into detail about how our respective teams fared, let's just tick off some of the housekeeping by reminding our listeners where they can find us. So you'll find us on Twitter at at supercoach underscore edge. You'll find Damon at at damoj88. You'll find myself at at al underscore evans underscore 95. And if you search supercoach edge on Facebook and Insta, you'll find us there. Jeez, you, you just delivered that with just sheer skill. Really clean, I feel. It was super clean. I was pretty happy with that one. It was crisp. That was the first take just by the way, guys. <laughs> it was a rarity. Yes, the people don't know what happens behind the scenes. It only takes me a few times to get through that. <laughs> that is a win in itself. But um, anyway, on to the next segment, which, of course, the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick off this segment. So let's see who it is as we introduce the good, the bad, and the ugly. So in the good, the bad, the ugly, every week we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and for bad reasons. 
And given I am introducing this segment, uh, yes, <laughs> I am the loser of this week. What a idiot! Oh, what a loser! Yes, I was definitely on the receiving in this week. I'm so disappointed in my score, I don't even want to read it out. <laughs> I scored a very, very paltry 2026, which is my second lowest score of the season and super disappointing. And the one thing that really annoys me is, you know when you have a really nice start to the week and yeah. you have a couple of players that just go off? And that happened with me with Grundy, McRae and Dunks. Just got me off to an absolute flyer and I thought, here we go. I'm going to be in for a big week. And as it turned out, it actually turned out to be my second worst week. Um, so it was the complete opposite <laughs> to my expectations. I slipped down the rankings to sit uh, now 18,499, which hurts after making solid ground in the past couple of weeks, which put me just in touch with 10,000. I definitely understand, I must say, how you felt last week. <laughs> it was my turn, 100%, with a rookie roulette wheel. And it was a terrible spin because I ended up fielding uh, Waterboy, aka Waterman, and Barry over Rowe and Scott, which lost me a potential 82 extra points. So that itself hurt. But what hurts even more was the fact that I had the chance to switch Rowe onto my field instead of claiming Waterboy's score, who was on my bench with the E, uh, because... He was going to be subbed in for the non-playing Saunders who I was using as my captaincy loophole. But I opted to play it safe. And I, I know like I asked you, yeah. remember I sent you a message and I said, should I take the gamble in putting the C on Gorn and trying to bring in Roe for a bigger score than Waterboy? And it was all part of my evil plan. Maybe it was. Maybe you just knew. Maybe it was just, yeah, I'm, I'm normally a gambler. That's the thing. And I thought, no, 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 I'll be level-headed and play it safe. And this time... It bit me in the ass, and you watch the next time I actually take a gamble, it won't pay off. And yeah, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be the opposite, and the play who I put the captaincy on ends up getting injured or something. But anyway, yeah, opted to play it safe, thinking Roe wouldn't fare much better than Waterboy, and that itself cost me an extra fifty-two points. And then on top of that, the extra twenty-six points with uh, with Gorn uh, not being captain over McRae. So what could have been sliding doors moments, but. Um, Anyway, in terms of trades that I did this round, uh, I traded out Brockman for Waterboy, and mm -hmm. uh, luckily I kept the other trade up my sleeve as the person whose name we shall not mention. We do not speak his name. Decided to do a classic dumb Chris Scott thing yeah. and drop Clark, which meant I needed to trade him to Chapman, given I had no cover with Daniel and Highmore on the bench. So cheers for that, mate. Uh, on to my scores for the round. Uh, in terms of good, uh, Gorn with 172, uh, absolutely mammoth. Jay-Z just keeps going from strength to strength, 148. Dunks also with 148. McRae, 146, who ended up being my captain. And Grundy with 134. In terms of the bad, I had Short with 74. He's been uh, blow par uh, on the weekend. And Warner also was the other bad score with 50. In terms of ugly, uh, Waterboy came straight into my team, onto the field, 27. Jeez, just I must admit though, it was kind of my own fault because I didn't realise the conditions that they were playing in. Yeah. Which probably yeah. wasn't conducive to forwards. But having said that, there was a guy by the name of uh, Joey who I used to play for on mob who actually yeah. ended up defying that <laughs> that theory about conditions. In terms of other players, ugly, uh, Berry thirty one, uh, Campbell thirty nine, and Jordan Ridley's injury affected thirty one, of course didn't help with my shit house score but uh, how did you go? <laughs> yeah i 
may have got the chocolates, but I, I definitely didn't score that much that much better. Uh, so I ended the week or the round on a score of 2,080. So again, not too happy with that score. Um, it's seen me fall down the ranks as well, down to uh, 17,227. Um, obviously, that's the second week where I've I've sort of had a bad score and, and fallen down the rankings. It's been, uh, yeah, one of my worst starts to a season um, the past couple of years. Um, just having to plug holes due to injuries, obviously rookie roulette taking its toll and uh, just some some underperforming primos as well. But hopefully just onward and upwards uh, from here. I also, yeah, copped a little bit of the rookie roulette yet again. I ended up copying... McNeil's 45 and Barry's 31 while I watched uh, my burn man from last week, Jordan, score a 76 on my bench. Um, was a bit of a dumb mistake by myself with loopholes and not, not really paying attention to who played who and when when they were all playing. Uh, trying to be a bit too smart for my own good. But yeah, as I mentioned, for the second week in a row, old mate Jordan managed to burn me, uh, this time by actually scoring well but sitting on my bench. Um, if I can give you one tip though, just play him week in, week out. So then at least you get the bad scores and you don't miss out on the good scores. Yeah, that's true. At least I, <laughs> at least I won't be as angry at him as I am right now. Um, I did enjoy watching his game on, on Sunday afternoon, though. So um, I guess there was a bit of an upside there. Just think of the money. Yeah, the money will be, the money will be good. <laughs> anyway, in terms of, especially considering I was actually considering trading him out. Oh, well, that's a win. That's a win you didn't trade about. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of my trades, um, I was home to only make the one trade this week with Brockman out for uh, Bubble Boy uh, Alec Waterman. Um, however, fate obviously didn't allow this with Chris Scott burning those using Clark to cover for a Daniel Donut. <laughs> so I had to make that swift last minute decision to bring in Chapman from the Dockers. In hindsight, I may have actually not done that. May have looked at a, a Jones instead from uh, from the power. Yeah, I found out quite last minute uh, while at a family get-together in the middle of nowhere with very little reception. So I uh, had to sort of make make some quick last-minute decisions, which probably weren't the most conducive to what I would have wanted to do. But anyway, it's it's all good. I don't mind Chapman in my side anyway. Now on to my scores for the round. I'll just quickly breeze through the ones that are a bit different to yours, Damon. Uh, so I also had, as well as having Gorn and Jay-Z, I had Walsh's 144. I took Grundy's VC score as my captain score of 134. And then I also had Zeret with 130. Likewise, my bads were Short and Warner. And my uglies were Barry, Campbell 39, Jordan being the ultimate burn man for me this season, getting 76 on my bench while I had McNeil's 45 and uh, Barry's 31 and then obviously uh, Jordan Ridley's injury affected 31 which will also hurt because he will miss next week with concussion as well so that brings us I guess to the running tally the head to head and I guess order has been restored to the universe as I am back on top <laughs> just where I belong but in the words of the Terminator I'll be back <laughs> so I obviously sit on top on the ladder with three wins, two losses, but very, very, we keep saying it each, each week. I think the percentage gets smaller and smaller. Now <laughs> it's literally like 0.4% between us. Just looking at like the differentials in the for and against points, it's literally 21 points difference between us. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's going to be one of those one of those battles throughout the year that just keeps seesawing. Like you'll yeah. go ahead one week, I'll level, then I'll go ahead, then you'll level, then you'll go yeah. ahead. 
Uh, oh, well, that's, that's good. At least, you know, it's not a complete walkover because I was a little bit scared going into the season considering that uh, you are the Matty Rao of Supercoach. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, it's right the, uh, maybe it's the second year, third year Blues. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully we bring it back from here. Yeah. Slow start, but get back into it pretty quickly. Time now to discuss some of the hottest topics, players, and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to tell. Thursday, never looking back, it's Friday, I'm in love. Carnage. The backline was a big worry this week between suspensions, injuries, and some late omissions. This was headlined by Clark not being named, which threw a massive spanner on the works for many, left without defensive bench cover with a Daniel Donut courtesy of his suspension, and the likes of Ridley getting subbed out due to concussion on 31 points and Dan Houston dislocating his shoulder and scoring only 48. And likewise, just carrying forth that uh, that defensive carnage, Highmore is, uh, is finding it pretty much impossible to break into the Saints team, but maybe you can get an opportunity this week due to injuries and a strong showing in the VFL where... He amassed 16 disposals and 95 ranking points. And um, yeah, just I think everyone is praying to the super coach gods that we get in high more because I think a lot of people might need him this weekend with uh, with Ridley on the sidelines. Yeah, and if Brett Ratton, if you're listening, just get him in, please. Do us all a favour. Especially with Adam Simpson being a bit more focused on our super coach. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was nice to see, wasn't hopefully, it? Yeah, hopefully Brett Ratton can do the same. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, those that did hold on to Dangerfield were greeted to a score of just 75 and an ankle injury. We await to hear from the Cats as to the severity of that injury and its effects on, on his uh, next few weeks as well. The other thing which stuck out was again... The set and forget rucks strike again. We've been pretty much just talking about this every single week, it seems, since um, Gorn and Grundy had their terrible start to the season. Uh, it's funny how the other wheel turns. But uh, yeah, another injury to uh, a key big man with a PCL injury to Tom Hickey, which is uh, going to keep him out for the next eight weeks. And then, of course, Flynn being a non-selection for the Giants for the second week running. It seems to me that the uh, the super coach gods are well and truly smiting the set and forget non-believers. Exactly. Repeat after me, Liam. In Gone, do we trust? trust. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Since, uh, well, not even since, their averages for this season are 140 and 118.6 for Gorn and Grundy, respectively, uh, considering their, their their slow start to the in the first, just the first <laughs> game of the season. Oh, uh, uh, well, those people that didn't start with them, uh, I, I feel sorry for you a little bit, but lessons must be learned. We told you. I told you. Anyway, on to the next segment, which is, of course... The price is right. The price is wrong, bitch. Yes, in The Price is Right, we run through the top buy, sell, hold, and wait options for this round of Supercoach. We'll chat about the pros and cons and what we'll be doing with our own teams this week. So the very first category is buy, otherwise known as... Grand style, grand style, grand style. <laughs> megalo, megalo, megalo. <laughs> Uh, thanks for that, Franco. He's, he's actually uh, he's appearing on the podcast from week to week now, and uh, we've agreed to buy a bit of his furniture in return because uh, I know sales are pretty tough at the moment with his uh, his furniture that, uh, that looks as though it's been built in like the sixties. And you know, surprisingly, that no one else likes that style of furniture. So we've agreed to buy a sofa or two off his hands in return for him uh, featuring on the podcast. So thank you, Franco. Uh, first player up is Clayton Oliver, priced at five ninety one six hundred. 
And uh, he's dropped a whopping 65K courtesy of DeBoer's tag, limiting him to 67 in round three, which, you know, as I said last week, if you were to tell me at the start of the season that I was able to grab Oliver 65K less than what he is at his starting price, I would say tell him he's dreaming because this hands down to me is the bargain of the season so far Mm. from what he's just outputting. So the 67 that he did score against the Giants drops out of his rolling average this week. So his break-even will drop to an achievable 101 this week. So this should be the cheapest he'll be potentially all season. Uh, so if you're after a premium, he's like an Uber premium, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's someone of that category. If you're after them, I would be looking long and hard at Oliver if you've got the cash. So yeah, outside of that tag game where he just scored the 67, he scored 122. 133, 130, and 115. So it really does show the scoring potential and the ceiling that he has in uh, in his scores. Mm. So bargain of the season so far of all the fallen primos. So jump on. Definitely. And it's it's positive to see as well because it's not as though he's had a whole heap of poor scores. He's had just the one and that's that's what's caused the uh, the drop in, drop in price. So it's it's sort of very safe to see his from his other scores of 122, 133, 130 and 115 that he'll, he'll just basically be pumping out good scores for you from here on out. And moving on to our next player, uh, it's the Frio midfielder uh, Andy Brayshaw coming at a price of 482.7K. So he also has dropped around uh, 61.5K um, after a patchy two-week run where he scored a, a, a miserly 66 and 48 against Carlton and Hawthorne. His break-even now sits at a semi-achievable 117. Um, so you could definitely afford to, to wait a week on him um, but he does face um, the struggling North this week. So there's there's every chance that he does make that 117 break even. The one query, I guess, is that he does struggle a bit under a tag. Uh, we've got Warple versus the Hawks as an example of that. Chera went down with an injury on the weekend. Um, so there is one less player to attract a, t- a tag ahead of him. So you'd obviously want to keep that in mind. He has obviously had those two poor scores in recent weeks. So you'd want to keep that in mind before bringing him in. There's probably some some other options that would be better suited to your team that I'd be looking for ahead of Andy Brayshaw, but he's definitely a, a good option as well. Yeah, just looking at, uh, just talking about the tag as well, <clears throat> with Cherry going down, I mean, Mundy's been playing out of his skin. He's almost, you know, pretty much the equivalent of what uh, Tex Walker's been. You know, uh, you'd think that last year, especially with the way that Mundy was playing towards the back end, he just looked like he was in the verge of retirement. Now he's just stepped out this year and it's like he's, He's taken some like super, you know, what do they call them? The super soldier serum, like yeah, you know, yeah. what Captain America took. Like him and Tex have just rejuvenated themselves. I don't know how, but you know, to me, when you're thinking of tagging players, they're not going to tag Mundy, uh, no matter how good he's been. Yeah, you know, fair enough. They could potentially try and tag Five, but to me, I don't think he's that taggable. Where that just leaves Andy Brayshaw, and if he's shown that he is susceptible to a tag. I can see opposition teams targeting him a bit more. So I would probably prefer to wait a week if you can um, and then see how you go. But it still comes with that that bit of uncertainty with him, uh, even though he does come at that really good price point of 482, 700. So wait and see with that. But another young gun who is very, very tasty at the price of 568.5K is Sam Walsh, who has a break-even of just 100. And uh, his price is very much on the incline. So uh, if you want to jump on him, uh, this week is probably the week to do it. Our good friend and stats guru, Bryce Mitchell, 
has written up a nice little uh, template mm -hmm. graphic. So jump on that at Bryce Mitchell and you'll see it uh, where he has shown that uh, he's actually priced at an average of 111 cool. despite averaging 117 so far. So just based upon that alone, uh, he's definitely value in terms of the, the point to dollar ratio. Definitely. One that I started with and I've been very happy with him uh, ever since the start of the season is he's been pumping out some very good scores. I think he's only had one below 100 off the top of my head. Um, and moving on, we've got the uh, the fallen primo, Lockie Neal. Um, he's obviously dropped a staggering 141600 in price. Um, and he does have a, a very gettable break-even of 98. So he finally managed to turn on the afterburners and to score a 157 against a very disappointing Essendon. In a game where he went unchecked, there was, yeah, basically no respect um, shown to him from the Essendon coach's box of actually making him accountable. We see that he doesn't handle a tag particularly well, um, so I don't understand why teams don't just tag him out of the game every week. Um, with that being said, obviously he's dropped a massive amount. Um, he's at priced at 580k. He's got a gettable break-even of 98. So the question is, uh, can we trust Neil? Obviously, he's had a had a very positive game with a great score of 157 against, against Essendon, but we have seen that he hasn't been able to handle the tag. We have also seen that he's been injury-affected. Um, he did reveal that he um, has a crack in his vertebrae, uh, which you'd think would be hindering him for the rest of the season. He did say, obviously, this week that he managed to train um, fully for the first time of the week. Um, which obviously showed on the weekend where he was able to actually play out the game quite well. That that could be a week to week injury that uh that could that could see his scores be negatively affected. Yeah, it's it's for me like it's the one good score all season. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that he's got such a a major injury mm. uh, can't be underplayed. I think, and people may be blinded by the fact that yeah, maybe he's back to his normal scoring ways, but. Again, it was against Essendon. Like you said, they didn't really show him any respect. Didn't have really any opponent. It wasn't even to the to the point of having any close checking opponent. Yeah. It was literally no opponent at times. Um, and yeah, for me, it's kind of he, he falls into that category of uh, fool me once, shame on shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> fool me, fool me twice. A fool man can't get fooled again. <laughs> so I, I don't know. For me, I, I just want to wait and see. Even if he does go up in price, which he should, definitely. Um, if he's back to his normal scoring ways, but I'd, I'd wait and see. And I'd, like I said before, target Oliver ahead of him. Yeah, I, I'd definitely be waiting and waiting. I'd definitely be a wait and see for me. Um, just on on the match, I guess there were stages where he actually drifted forward and took uncontested marks in Brisbane's forward line. Um, it's ridiculous, like how lack the lack of accountability that he had from the Essendon uh, midfield. He um, his score would be slightly inflated. He did manage to kick two goals, one from a I think it was from a stoppage. <laughs> um, again, unchecked, ran around, kicked a goal. The other was from a fifty meter penalty uh, that led him straight to the to the to the goal square. So you'd probably say his score was slightly inflated by that, but it's one to watch. I'd say more than more than bring him in immediately this week. Absolutely. And uh, let's move on to the next category, which is sell. And first up, we have Jordan Clark, who we spoke of earlier, coming at 294k as a defender midfielder, dropped by uh, he who shall not be named, <laughs> um, but was actually named as the injury sub. And mm. I don't know if you saw any of the match, but uh, in the closing moments, that's when Dangerfield went down with the ankle injury. And uh, he actually disappeared into the rooms at one stage and there was, yeah, literally about five minutes to go. 
And Twitter was just going absolutely bananas, especially those coaches who had Jordan Clark with the captain. you know with the with the captaincy with the as the loophole. Yeah. And they were just shit scared whether or not if he was to come on, that would have just ruined everything for them. So thank God he who shall not be named didn't uh, go that step further and ruining uh, super coaches' lives even more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's, uh, his break even is still an achievable 36. Yeah. But uh, yeah, based upon the weekend, he does look to be on the outer. Um, if Danger doesn't get up to play on the weekend, he may come in. But I mean, who knows? It is he who shall not be named as the yeah. senior coach. So anything can happen. Uh, but for me, and one thing that I've done and we both had to do on the weekend was was downgrade him. The other option is he's a solid upgrade candidate just because mm. purely his, his price is 294K, which gives you a really solid base to work with. And also in addition to that, being a defender, midfielder, DPP, he gives you the flexibility in terms of upgrading into a primo across either area or even in the forward line even uh, if you do have a, a bit of a swing, uh, which you can do in the trade screen. So, yeah, for me, he's definitely a, a must-trade. Definitely. Um, yeah, if you haven't already got rid of him um, after last week, you'd want to yeah, probably move him on this week. Um, likewise, uh, Braden Campbell from the Swans, uh, priced at 244k, mid-forward eligible, uh, was an early-round draft pick. Um, he struggled in recent weeks uh, with scores of just 29, 51 and 39 after impressing with a, with a really good 118 in round two. Um, he's lost about 14k on the weekend um, and his break even sitting at 53 which is gettable but you'd have to look at the last three games where he hasn't scored 53 the highest being a 51 I know we did discuss it as 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 a as a keep because he it only took one score the 29 would drop out of his uh break even um, and he you should see some more cash gen but I think one of the main issues is that uh John Longmire isn't willing to uh, give him the solid time on ground with just 70%, 66%, and 62% over that period. Further indications are that he could also be rested, um, with Horse quoted in his most recent presser as saying, we'll consider a rest. I don't want to make a close-ended statement yet. Development of young players isn't always onwards and upwards. I don't think it's probably positive signs there for young Braden Campbell. Yeah, his uh, his lack of time on ground, solid time on ground, really does rival man who I'm familiar with, uh, who plays for the Baggers in Paddy Dow. And I mean, yeah, if you're not getting the time on the ground, you're going to struggle to score. And I think he actually did pretty well uh, that week. That Campbell, when he scored 51 with just 66% time on ground, so it does show that he does have a bit of a you know solid scoring base to yeah. him. But yeah, if he's not getting opportunity, you can't really cross your fingers and hope that suddenly. Horse is going to give him extra time on ground. And then, as you said as well, if he's going to be rested, if not this weekend, could it be the weekend after? And could it be a week where you don't have you know, ample cover? So you've really got to factor that in and, and try and extrapolate things forward and, and work out just in terms of your planning, how he fits in. But for me, he uh, he comes in as a, as a trade-out candidate for me, definitely. Yeah, and at his price of 244k, it's sort of a relatively easy upgrade if you've got yep. the cash already or a downgrade upgrade if you need to one up one down could make it a pretty easy and with his mid forward eligibility it's easier to I guess upgrade to whoever you want um, in either the midfield or the forward line spot on and the next category is of course the hold and that's headlined by as we mentioned earlier Jordan Ridley now uh, 
Seriously, before guys. you go onto uh, onto your little rant, Liam, <laughs> I'll yeah. just just do a couple of points. So thank you. He comes in at five eighty eight point nine k. Of course, as a defender, but it should go without saying he's the top three scoring defender potentially for me. As I said before, he actually got injured on the weekend. I mentioned last week he is for me in the top two of scoring defenders. Just the fact that he takes practically every kick out for the Dons, which, as we know, are just easy points on the board given the way that the game is played at the moment. And, um, yeah, in short, if you're serious about Supercoach, don't waste a trade. Now, Liam, the floor is yours. Thank you. Seriously, guys, I just don't understand how he's been traded out of 2.6% of teams. So I think, uh, as we as we saw on the weekend, he was only in about 22% of teams. Was that right, David? Yeah, 22%, yeah. 22%. So, so not, not, not a massive amount, but... I, he's out for one week. Yes, he's had a had a poor score. Yes, he will drop in cash. You're going to be able to get him cheaper, but not that much cheaper in a few weeks. But you're going to be wasting multiple trades. If you traded him in and didn't start with him, you've already traded. You, there's one trade. If you're going to trade him out, there's another trade you used. He's going to be a top. You'd expect at the very least a top six defender, but I would I would say yeah, definitely a top two defender with the way he's going. Mm. You're going to then have to get him back in. So you're going to be using three trades on the same player. It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Don't waste the trades. Don't waste any of the trades on it. Just hold him. Use him as your loop option if you need to. He plays on Sunday. Mm. Just just hold him. Do not trade him. Yeah. It, it, it's always, it comes down to that point as well. I think people get blinded by the fact that, oh, he's lost money. He's going to lose more money. Uh, if you look at Supercoach Goal, it says that he's going to drop down to 536 where he bottoms out. So that's, you know, loss of 52K or thereabouts. And I mean... We, we always say this, and we'll say it again. When it comes to premiums and Uber premiums, like Ridley, it doesn't matter how their, how their price fluctuates. What matters is their scoring potential and what they're delivering for you on field every single week. So if you're getting blinded by the numbers to do with their price, it shouldn't factor in. Don't worry about it. Keep him. He's only going to be out for a week. As you said, you can use him as a loophole option for exactly for you know a Gorn um, or you know McRae, anyone. Um, so... Don't be stupid. Um, be a normal super coacher and do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> super coach responsibly. Exactly, exactly right. We didn't have like a disclaimer or something. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Um, Warner and Goulden, how are they going? Yeah, uh, they're, they're definitely both holds for me at this stage. I think they're obviously two rookies that had poorer scores, I guess, on the weekend by their standards, not necessarily poor scores in general. Their respective break-evens for Warner and Golden are 58 and 51, which is both well under their averages. Uh, Warner did obviously have a bit of a lower score of 50 this week and Golden in the 60s, um, but they have shown that very high scoring ceiling, so they can pump out a massive score in any given week and their cash generation will kickstart again. Obviously, you'd want to be wary with uh, them getting rested in weeks to come, as John Longmire has already uh, sort of flagged with uh, with Campbell. It could be the same for Goulden and for Warner. At this stage, they're probably the two that I would be trying to hold on to as long as possible because they seem to not only have the, the cash to be made, but they're relatively reliable to have a, on, on field as well for your scoring. They haven't really... Uh, I know they've had sort of big fluctuations in the sense of 50 being their lower score and 100 and something being their, <laughs> being their highs, but it's sort of a, a 50 being your lowest is, mm. is relatively good for a for a, uh, for a rookie. Yeah, that's the thing. When it comes to rookies, like you're going to have to hold rookies for a majority of the season whilst you upgrade around them. And they kind of build your core mm. alongside the primos that you're bringing in. And like you said, you know, you want to get players that 
you know, they don't necessarily, I mean, it's great if they're consistent from week to week, especially in head-to-head league games. Yeah. But you want to get players or keep hold of the rookies that have a really high floor in reference to their you know, floor being their, their lowest that they can score, really. And if it's 50 from a rookie, that's really good because there are rookies out there that that can be their ceiling. If they can be as high as they score. So if they're pumping out those scores and then you, you get the potential of the ceiling of, you know, 100-plus scores, which they have done, all scores in the 80s, uh, that's the extra benefit as well. So, yeah, definitely keep hold of those two for as long as you can. Exactly. Um, now moving on to the weights. So, we keep waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to so these are players that uh, you would probably look to trade in later in the season, maybe in the next couple of weeks. First cab off the ranks is Finlay McRae. He's uh, priced at 126.3K. He's mid-forward eligible from Collingwood. He's only played the one game so far um, and looked more composed as the game went on. He finished with about 18 disposals, 12 of which came in the last quarter. Uh, so definitely has shades of his brother's ball winning ability. Yeah. Um, you don't want to probably just see how he fares on the weekend and get ready to target him as a downgrade option. He probably has reasonably good uh, job security with uh, Taylor Adams going down f- with an injury uh, for, I think it was 10 weeks. Mm, yep. So you'd expect him to hold his spot. If, if you needed to, you could definitely bring him in this week. I always err on the side of caution. You don't want to bring in a player that then gets dropped or, or has an injury. Touch wood, he doesn't. Um, you just don't want to waste a trade there. I must admit, earlier in the game, he kind of looked a little bit out of sorts. He was turning the ball over. He was kind of rushed. But yeah, as evidenced in the last quarter, getting the 12 disposals, um, which is where a majority of his disposals came from in the last quarter, he, yeah, he kind of settled into the game a bit and um, actually adjusted to the tempo. So... There are really good signs there, I think, uh, for him as a super coach player. Uh, and yeah, Definitely. if he can be half the player that his brother is, gee whiz, we're onto a, you know, a great player. <laughs> exactly. And uh, next player to uh, potentially wait on is Jack Steele, coming in at 655-300. And uh, of course, a midfielder. He has a break even of 129 and uh, at an average scoring output of 120. You could potentially wait a week in hopes that he does fall. Or, you know, if you don't yet have the funds to do the trade. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, he's definitely going to be uh, in the top eight, you know, bracket of midfielders there. So if you can't afford to get him in, I would. Um, it comes down to whether or not yeah, you have the cash. For me, like I said earlier, Oliver, I'd prefer to go for him because he's, he's better value. He's going to be scoring a similar sort of output to Steele. Uh, but yeah, if you already have Oliver, uh, I'd, I'd definitely target Steele. Uh, now the next uh, option uh, for the weight column is Tom Mitchell, who's priced at 549.4K and is obviously midfield eligible. He's got a break even of 138 with an average of 103. Uh, he is projected to bottom out at 525K in round eight, uh, according to, to the good man Bryce Mitchell. But I'd urge, again, some caution with Tom Mitchell. I think, Damon, you, you you actually pointed this out to me as well. Yeah, it was to do with, I think a lot of people are familiar with it, just the fact that he has to get an insane amount of disposals in order to to really get a half-decent super coach score. Uh, if we just have a look at the breakdown of his scoring in recent weeks. Uh, so in round two, he got 109 super coach points off the back of 37 disposals. Uh, yep. He did actually manage uh, to get... 107 off uh, 38 disposals. Um, and then on the weekend, he ended up getting, what's that quick math? 32 disposals on the weekend against the D's for 76 points. So, yep. I mean, 
he does like to handball more than he kicks as well. And he has those little dinky, you know, one meter passes or half meter passes, if that really in close, you don't get any any meters gained off that as opposed yeah. to a kick. Uh, if you look at it in those terms, uh, but yeah, the fact that he's just he's not that damaging. Uh, he's a he's a great player, no doubt about it. But when it comes to super coach, he does have to rack up those those massive disposal uh, numbers in order to to really get a score eclipsing you know 110 plus. So he's one guy that I definitely wait on. Uh, he has shown in the past that he can turn that around. And if he's kicking a few more goals as well, he's only kicked one this season, uh, which doesn't help his scoring. If he does kick a few more goals and, and really open up that side of his game, then uh, I'd, I'd definitely look at him. But yeah, at this stage, I would prefer to hold and wait a week at least because yeah, he's going to drop some more cash. Yeah, exactly. And I think, as you said, the meters gained is a uh, is super contra gold. It provides a, a good boost to the scoring. Um, so obviously, if you're just handballing quite often, you're not going to get the same the same level as a player that decides to kick with every every disposal. It's similar to um, must make mention of uh, the most frustrating super coach player uh, in the competition, especially if you don't have him. Of Bont, who a lot of people yeah. call him Champion Data's love child, but. It, you have a look at the way he plays as well and he prefers to kick and he like has the booming kicks down the wing that usually get those really, really big meters gained. And that's how he gets his scoring up in the blink of an eye. Whereas I think, yeah, Mitchell lacks that side to his game where, yeah, his stats look good on the surface, but yeah, they're padded more so by little handballs, uh, which, you know, he does go in for those contested possessions, which do help but they're kind of offset by the fact that his disposals aren't that weighted, you know, talking in, in champion data terms. Exactly. Now that that sort of brings us to the end of the uh, buy, sell, hold and wait, uh, what are you looking at doing this week, Damon? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably no um, no secret <laughs> from what I've been saying about the little super coach pig that is uh, Oliver. Um, reminds me of, you know, Jonathan Brown used to call, he referred to, the Cameron Ling, also with red hair, as the uh, the big, the big sweaty pink pig. <laughs> when he sweats it up, he looks like a big fat pink pig. <laughs> that that's Oliver. He's he's the big sweaty pink pig, but he's a pig because he feasts on super coach points. So I'm going to be bringing him into my midfield, bolstering my lineup, and I just can't wait to roll him out. In terms of a second trade, I'm not even sure if I will make one. I mean, on the weekend just gone, like yourself. I didn't really want to use that second trade, but because of that coach whose name we shall not mention, uh, stuffed us over, we had to use it. So I'm really at a stage now where I need to conserve my trades. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to use it if I don't have to. What about yourself? Yeah, likewise, I having had to use the two trades last week, I'd actually planned to use the two trades this week to bring in um, Jackson McRae. I'm still considering it because I obviously am missing out on him in my team. But Oliver just presents at such great value, so it's a bit of a toss up for me. I'm gonna have to uh, gonna have to think very long and hard about this. It's only uh, it's only Tuesday at this stage. Still got until till Friday night to, uh, to to figure it out. <laughs> but at this stage, it's probably looking more likely that I'll try and likewise trade trade Oliver um, into my side. I think the value is just too good. It's too juicy to to let up now, um, and. Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm going. I want to sort of hold on to some of those trades. I've, I've used quite a lot, to be honest. I'm just going to forecast forward. And because I'm going to be holding Oliver and McRae, 
I'm going to say the player that you don't get is going to have an absolute blinder. Just going to put it out there. We'll revisit this in uh, next week's episode, but um, that's just my feeling. Let's see if my um, my juju that I put out into the world uh, <laughs> helps me get the win over you next week because I think I might need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not feeling too, too, too great about it, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, now that we're in the uh, the swing of trading season, it's time for an old favorite to help you out. It is same price. Same position. Same super coach contribution. But there could be a season of difference between their scoring output. So this week's compare the pair was sent in by what's John with you, <laughs> which is on Twitter at Burns Lockie. Uh, he asks, should I be targeting Jones or McCreary? So very nice compare the pair right there. So just comparing and breaking down both guys in terms of their pricing and whatnot, Jones comes in at a price of 139800 as a defender uh, compared to McCreary coming in at uh, a little bit cheaper at 117300 as a forward. Yeah. Now Jones, yes, he's a tad more expensive. He's scoring so far. He scored 61 and 69, dinner for two, so far. Yeah. <laughs> and his break-even sits at negative 48. Compared to McCreary, uh, he's priced at a slightly cheaper price than Jones, as I mentioned, which means you'll gain uh, what's that, twenty-two grand or thereabouts, twenty-two five hundred yeah. more if you're trading down to them. Uh, McCreary has come in with scores of fifty-six and fifty-eight, and has a break-even of negative forty-five. So Liam, it's a bit of a tough one, but uh, can you separate these two? In comparing the pair. Yeah. As as you mentioned, David, it is a very tough one between these two. Um, they're both obviously – there's merit to both of them, um, obviously both being on the bubble this week and probably being the only really two options that I'd, I'd look at this week that are on the bubble. Um, but it comes down to – it comes down to their scoring output and the strength of their position in their respective sides. So obviously it's yeah, it's scoring potential versus uh, job security as well. It's a bit of a coin toss for me, to be honest. If I was going to make two trades this week, I'd probably lean slightly more to McCreary, but that's really only based off the fact that I'd be getting a little bit more cash from it. Um, and I just feel like his job security might be slightly better than Jones's. I'm just really worried about Jones in... Port Adelaide is obviously a very strong side. Um, if he does have sort of a, a week where he doesn't play as well, um, maybe he does find himself out of the team, which would be extremely unfortunate. They've obviously got very similar break-evens. They've got similar scoring, realistically. Um, it's it's a very, very tight one, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, just thinking about it in terms of their, you know, surety in their position in their teams... McCreary, he, I guess, feels a bit of a vacancy there in Collingwood's forward line with uh, Jamie Elliott, still injured, of course. Uh, but then you've also got Hoskin Elliott, who is a bit on the outer as well, and uh, by all reports was pretty quiet in Collingwood's VFL win on the weekend. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that he's going to come back in. And all that McCreary needs to do is keep kicking goals in his role, um, which he has been doing. So he's looked quite impressive. Um, yeah. And I think he has played some senior football uh, in, I can't remember if it was Sandful or, I mean, yeah, he, he does come with a little bit more experience, a little bit more senior body. But I mean, talking about senior bodies, gee whiz. Yeah, look at Jones. Look at Jones. Like I said, he's twice the man of me. Just monstered his opponents. And I saw him firsthand on the weekend. And um, 
yeah, he looked really impressive. Just his positioning, his kicking as well, uh, really pinpoint, uh, really good skills. For me, yeah, it's 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 hard to. I'm not too sure. I'm not too familiar with who he's holding out of the Port Adelaide side. Um, but I mean, with the way that he's played in his first two, first two games, all it takes is for him to continue that run of form. And just in terms of Jones as well, uh, he did sustain a knock to the ankle on the weekend, but uh, Hinkley addressed that. And he also gave a really glowing endorsement to Lockie Jones. Uh, and he's quoted as saying that he was banged up, but Lockie Jones is pretty tough. He played all right again tonight, I thought, Lock. If they're looking for someone to award the rising star to, I reckon he's pretty good. So um, just in terms of those words there, you'd think that um, Hinkley is a big fan of, uh, of Lockie Jones and uh, should be given uh, ample opportunity in Port's lineup unless uh, injury does, uh, does keep him out. So, I mean, on those reading between the lines of those words there, uh, I would probably opt for, uh, for Lockie Jones. Yeah, interesting. I, I do think, it, yeah, it's generally a coin toss for me. Um, and obviously would also depend on your structure as well. Yeah, for sure. Like McCreary is a forward, of course, and Jones is a defender. So <clears throat> I think a lot of people are worried about, uh, you know, having a bit of depth in defence. So if that's the case, you'd opt for Jones. If you're already sorted with uh, Highmore sitting on your bench who is just waiting to explode in his first price rise, and then you've got a Chapman or someone else, uh, you know, equivalent, to Jones on the bench, you know, you obviously can't get him in, which is the position that I'm in. And I think you're in as well, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Similar so, reasonable. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're stocked and locked and loaded in defense, you'd probably go for McCreary and vice versa. So yeah, I mean, it's up to you, but uh, definitely a coin flip. But now Liam, what time is it? I think it's time to uh, talk some captain options. But, but who is it? Who is the captain now? I don't know. Who is the captain now? I'm the captain now. Look at me. I'm That's right. In I'm the Captain Now, every week we bring you our top choices for the vice captain and captaincy. We'll be discussing some of the key options and maybe some that are even a little bit left field. So first up, uh, these are some options that you'd be able to chuck the VC on playing on the Friday night. So first off, we've got Jack McRae. Uh, He does only average 104.8 against the Giants, which are scores of 133, 105, 120, and 61. But let's not forget he is in absolutely scintillating form, averaging 129.2 for the season. So obviously the Giants are still without DeBoer, so we don't need to worry too much about uh, the tagging. And he does also obviously play again on that Friday night. So he's very good as a vice-captain option. Absolutely. And, yeah, I think, you know, I, I know it hurts for you to talk about him because you have been targeting him for, for a good two, three weeks straight. Forever. <laughs> but, yeah, he's just given his scoring alone. Uh, you know, yeah. his, his scores haven't been great against the Giants, but I think it's probably to do with DeBoer in the past, uh, especially that 61. But yeah, I mean, you can't go past his form. He's, uh, he's to me anyway, he is the most informed super coacher mm. uh, so far, just in terms of consistent high scores. And I don't think he's actually had less than 30 disposals so far this season. So it's crazy. he just absolutely racks them up. Uh, and I think he had a pretty, a very slow start on the weekend, but still managed to get well over 30. So yeah, for me, he, he presents as a, a first up um, you know, prime candidate for, for the VC. Nice. Next up, um, one that's probably slightly more left field. 
uh, is Josh Dunkley. He's also having a great year so far, averaging 128.4 for this season. Um, and he's got a good average against the Giants, actually, of 112.3. Uh, in the last four games, he's had scores of 128, 169, 87, and 65. There is probably a bit more risk seeing that he's had those two lower scores at the back end of those those four games. But as as the VC option playing on the Friday night, it's a bit more of a calculated risk. You can take it with the security of knowing that you have a captain option that you can rely on if uh, Josh Dunkley doesn't score as well. And another candidate who is going to be very, very popular in the Supercoach community mm-hmm. with those coaches who do have him, of course, is <laughs> Max Gorn. He faces the Tigers, who he absolutely dominates against, averaging a whopping 148.3 in his past four, scoring 163, 134, 145, and 151. He plays Maybe. on the Saturday as well, so he's uh, he's perfect for the VC, and um, that combined with his form line so far, for me, he's, he's lock and load VC. Yeah, definitely. I think, how could you not want to take that? Um, <laughs> and as, as we mentioned earlier, if you've still got Ridley, don't trade him out, use him as your loophole. Yep. Um, so you, you can still get that Max Gorn VC if you need to. Uh, moving on, we've got on the Sunday, we've got Max Gorn's, I guess, nemesis? Counterpart? Main nemesis? Counterpart? Yeah, okay. We've got Max Gorn's counterpart. Sorry, Max. Oh my God. And playing on the Sunday, uh, perfect for the captain option, we've got Max Gorn's. Collingwood counterpart, Brody Grundy. He played out of his skin against the Eagles, having a very, very good first quarter. I think he kicked two first quarter goals. He hasn't kicked a goal this season before that. Um, And just, yeah, played really well against Nick Nat. And now he faces Essendon on Anzac Day, who are without, I guess, their first choice in Ruckman, which is uh, Draper, who is obviously injured. Um, They may bring in Phillips, or it'll be an absolute baptism of fire if they brought in Nick Bryan who's just uh, yeah pretty pretty raw as a ruckman Um, so you'd probably expect him to play against you'd probably expect Phillips uh, to to come in Um, but he has an average of 149.3 against the Dons in his past four encounters I can say from first hand experience he loves to play against us um, scoring 151, 157 134 and 155 Wow. Um, I think if Draper was playing, it'd probably be a good matchup. Because <laughs> um, I think they've both got very similar attributes in that they like to get around the ground. But yeah, yeah. I don't think Essendon's had a particularly mobile Ruckman in a while um, when they've been playing Brady Grundy. No offence to Tom Bell Chambers. <laughs> he does play, as we mentioned, on the Sunday. So he's a very legitimate captain option if someone like McRae or Gorn do fail to fire with the VC on armband on. Absolutely. And uh, some of those stats as well were given to us on a, on a silver platter, really, with the fine work of, uh, of Emper. Uh, Emper, am I still saying it right? It, it sounds wrong. No, I think you. I think you've got it right now. It is Empire, yeah. Empire underscore X, who does some absolutely fine work. So he delivered these stats to us as the best captaincy option. Big shout out to uh, to that statistical guru out there who helps us uh, with his fine work. But uh, let's just break it down. Who are you going to go with on the weekend? Uh, I'm going Gorn into Grunty. No qualms about that. If I did have to choose someone else, maybe I'd go with Dunks, but. I, I just don't 
think it's worth it. Yeah, spot on. I'm exactly the same. Uh, you've got to go with the Gondi combo, and I think probably should project forward and have a look at their next few matchups because it seems as though this won't be the last time that we're talking about the Gondi VCC combo because, gee, we, I think we spoke about it in the preseason as like another reason to start with them yeah. because of their you know easy draw in the in the first few rounds. Gee whiz. Ah, set and forget. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's move forth. March forward onto our next segment, which is Liam. I got to know. Hey, I got to know. In I Got to Know, we run through the questions that you, the listeners, have sent in. First question sent in by Sam, who is on Twitter at, at our pinker. First question is, is it that time of year where we bring in Pendles for a round and captain him? This is his Anzac Day average, which is an average of 125. Damon? Yeah, just quickly breaking it down into those scores. He said, can't believe it. 84, 138, 123, 67, 131, 119, 124, 136, 140, 130, 130, 170, 167, 102. Whoa, that is insane. How many games is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. Gee whiz. Yeah, he loves your Dons. Absolutely yeah, he does, doesn't them. he? Jeez, but yeah, it would definitely be handy and shows that uh, he loves an Anzac Day game against the Dons. So, um, yeah, you'd be uh, definitely familiar with that, wouldn't you, Liam? No surprise yeah, to you. Yeah, it would be. No surprise at all. <laughs> all righty. What about his actual question? Yeah, so in all seriousness, is it time for B. Campbell to go? He scored 39 on the weekend, which will be in his cycle for another two weeks. I don't see him making more money unless he scores well this week. For me, it was a hold one more week and trade H. Jones to L. Jones via B. Campbell, Laird DPP. Yeah, as we discussed earlier with regards to Campbell, there's also the worry he will be rested shortly by a horse. You know, combined with his, his poor time on ground, which rivals that of Dow, which has done a number on his scoring ceiling, I think. You know, as you've said, we're relying on a big game from Campbell this week uh, yeah. to offset the poor 39 he scored last round, which I can't really see happening with his terrible time on ground. I really can't see that changing for any particular reason. Uh, if you're after some quick cash, however, the sale of Campbell is a great candidate and, and something that I'm actually looking to pursue in my upgrade to Oliver this week. Yeah, likewise, I'm probably looking to move him on as well. Unfortunately, yeah, he didn't score that well on the weekend and his break-even, while achievable, would require a big game to see his cash gen really start again and start again quickly. Mm. Uh, so he's probably one that I'd move on and I am likely to do. So if you if you are in need of someone to trade out, but he isn't one that necessarily needs to be moved out on immediately. If you do want to hold your trades for a week, you, you'd be perfectly fine in doing so. Absolutely. And uh, next question was sent in by our good friend, the stats guru, Emper, at Emper underscore X. Has the bubble finally burst for Tex, held to just to just 85 points against a strong Frio defense? He has the Hawks, Giants, Port, the Eagles, and the Ds in his next five games. Not exactly an easy run for a key forward. Hard to see him averaging over 90, he says. Uh, yeah, I... I Completely agree. Um, yeah. I think he might be able to eke out a nice return against the Hawks' defense and uh, surpass his break even at 95, which might, you know, obviously uh, give a little bit more increase in his pricing and cash. Uh, but I can really see the Giants, uh, especially the Port, most definitely the Eagles with McGovern and the like in defense, and the Ds as well with uh, with May, who I think might be matched up to him in that encounter, really containing him. Uh, so you know, we must remember also the fact is the bloke isn't getting any younger. He actually turns 31 on Anzac Day, 
Um, mm. And we can't expect him to maintain his level of scoring as the season draws on. But, uh, you know, having said that, he is channeling his inner Tony Lockett. <laughs> so, um, really, who knows? But, yeah, I think that's a good point. He's probably at the point now where you'd probably want to look at trading him. And, and really, he's gone up in, I think it's close to 200K, which is, you know, we we thought that wasn't possible. But, I mean, he surpassed even our expectations. So, uh, yeah, trade him I, over the coming couple of weeks, I think. He was never really a keeper in my mind. So, I'd be looking to move him on. He's made his cash and now it's time to use him as an easy upgrade option. Spot on. Next question is from Daniel Chandler, who you'll find on Twitter at, at Daniel underscore Chandler 89. His question is, is Bailey Dale a good POD? Should benefit from Bailey Williams out for a few weeks. Only 76K more than Warner too. Yeah, I mean, he does present value on the surface, but I would be mm. wary with Daniel returning also. Uh, Dale took 63% of the kick-ins on the weekend and Williams just 25 and remembering also that Williams did get injured um, in that third quarter. Uh, but uh, yeah, it wouldn't really surprise me to see when Daniel returns this weekend to see that stat flip. So you have Daniel taking over 50% of the kickouts and Dale somewhere around about the 25%. I think Daniel has been the reliable kick-in taker for so long. I think mm. a lot of people are seeing his game against the Lions you know, as something that could carry forth. But to me, I see it in isolation. You know, it could yet be proven wrong, of course, but I think this is just me guessing. I think Daniel's going to take over those duties again. At the very least, I think they would be sharing the kickout duties. Uh, so it would be, you know, closer to 25% apiece or 30-30 apiece. Um, yeah, but that aside, I really don't see Dale as being a keeper. So I wouldn't really want to spend a trade or, or any of my bank on bringing him in what about you what do you think yeah i agree with you there damon he is priced at about 407.7k which is a bit awkward for mine it's sort of getting into that if he makes 100k gets him into that keeper sec uh keeper category i don't see him as a keeper and something that i think we can maybe touch on briefly now and we'll probably chat a bit more about in future weeks is that with pods like bailey dale there comes sort of a, a very big risk because hardly anyone has him in their sides. Uh, let me just have a quick squiz. Yeah, he's in 0% of teams, apparently. Uh, 633 teams only. So he's uber pod, uh, if, 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 I, if I can say that. Uh, a shit score from Bailey Dale will really negatively affect you more and will probably drag you further and further behind the pack. Mm. He, has, he has had a pretty good start to the season. Um, his average season average this year so far is... Uh, 93.8, um, and he's got a three-round average of 102.7, obviously being boosted up by the kick-ins in the past couple of weeks. As, as I mentioned, obviously, with the pod comes that greater risk, and as David mentioned, it's unlikely that he ends up as a keeper or obviously a top six in the forward line, so the risk is even greater with him being a pod. Yeah, he's, uh, his scores across the season so far have been 72, 89, 95, 84, and 129 on the weekend with Daniel being absent, of course. So, mm. yeah, I think those previous four scores are probably more indicative of his, you know, I guess, average, his proper average, uh, as opposed to the weekend, which uh, is obviously inflated. So, yeah, for me, it's it's not worthy of doing. If you were going to bring him in, I probably would have done it uh, after his third game uh, where he had only risen by, I think it was about 40K or thereabouts. Let me have a, just a quick squeeze. 
Yeah, and likewise, Supercoach Gold only has him really increasing by about another 60K. Yep, there you um, go. So it's it's not super, it's not, not, not a big price rise where you're going to make heap of cash. And then again, you'd have to trade him back out. So it's it's two trades that you'd be using on him. Yeah, exactly right. So it's not not really a candidate like a playing cash cow in the mold of a, a Tex Walker. He's not going to make you that much cash to justify the trade in and then the trade out. So the use of two trades. Uh, but let's move on to our next question, which is... From uh, Dally Pitt, who is at Dally Pitt. He's got two parts to his question. First part is, how many of the players we assumed would become mid-priced upgrades are now potential season keepers? For example, Zeeble, Impy, Tex, Bose, uh, any at all? Of that list, um, I'll just quickly jump in. I'd say that Zebel, Impy, and Bose are looking like they may be keepers by season's end. Obviously, would be keeping in mind any potential injuries with Impy being somewhat injury prone. Um, and obviously, it being a, a bigger sample size than, than what we had earlier in the season, but still very early on. We did obviously see a weaker score from Impy on the weekend, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's massive cause for concern. They've all had exceptional starts to the year with Zebel and uh, Bose taking kickouts, which is helping to boost their scoring with uh, Zebel having... 82%. 82% and uh, Bose having 38 Yep. on the weekend, uh, which you'll find uh, beautifully presented on our Twitter in a, in a nice little graphic with uh, the percentages of all those kickouts and the number that they actually played on from as well, which is uh, super helpful. Um, but also you've got MP who's playing a very super coach friendly role across halfback paired with uh, Juth. Mm-hmm. The only one on that list that you uh, presented, I don't trust, is probably Tex. And as we stated just before, uh, it's pretty hard for a key forward to keep up that scoring. And I didn't really think he'd be a keeper. Uh, so it's probably time to move him on um, and just use that cash that he's made, that 200k that he's made. Yeah, spot on. I totally agree. Zebel, Impy, uh, Tick Tick, Tex, I would say uh, he's, you know, had his use as a playing cash cow. I would look to chop him over the next couple of weeks, as we mentioned. Yeah. And uh, with Bose, I'm always worried about uh, newbies really elevating themselves into that primo status. Uh, so for me, I always hold a little bit of hesitancy i guess um yeah over that because of because of that reason uh, which is silly to think but i mean I, I just go by sample sizes and the fact that he's only done it for this season to date um mm. but as we know he's he's really shown signs in the past of, of being an accumulator and he is traditionally a midfielder as well playing off halfback so he does have that uh that side of his game in his system so i mean yeah i'd say of those four zebel impy definitely bows 75-25, and uh, Tex, I'd say, is uh, played his use. Yeah, precisely. Now, moving on to the second part of Dally Pitt's question. For those of us who have had bad luck, rail, danger, butters, etc., and have used five trades, a complete team at season's end now looks unlikely. Which rookies should we hold on to and or upgrade last? Damon? Yeah, for me, I mean, we're, we're kind of falling into that category a bit yeah. early on because we had Raul, uh, we had danger, had Caldwell as well. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's anyone else that we're missing. I think that was about it. Thankfully, it came to an end then um, in terms of injuries and suspensions. But, yeah, just looking at it in terms of guys in my team, um, 
we've discussed this off air as well. Warner, yeah. uh, who we addressed earlier on, uh, Golden as well, as you know, at the highest price rise in Supercoach history, eclipsing Barlow. And they've both got that, that really high floor and high ceiling as well. Uh, so for me, those two factors really show that, you know, they are rookies that you can hold on to because yeah. uh, they can score as high as a traditional primo and they can give you that nice, really sound floor. Uh, the other guy who you've mentioned earlier who really pissed you off was uh, was Jordan from the D's. And for me, I, I really like him because he's shown to date that he can have a couple of good scores up his sleeves. Uh, and I think he's getting yeah. a really good opportunity at the D's as well, which is surprising, rotating through the midfield. It's a bit of a tight squeeze there in, in Melbourne's yeah. midfield, yeah, and he still gets a go. So that's testament to his quality and the way that he's seen in the eyes of the coaching staff. So mm-hmm. he's going to get that opportunity, uh, which is what you want from a rookie. Uh, but I probably wouldn't have him in the same category as Warner no. and Gould, and I have him just probably a step below. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, outside of that, Powell potentially. Um, he has shown, yeah. especially on the weekend, he scored 74. He is no doubt going to get opportunity from week to week in the struggling North Melbourne outfit. Uh, but outside of that, I'd probably say that's about it. I wouldn't trust Rowe. His scoring is very up and down, especially considering mm-hmm. he is playing as a small forward. Um, <clears throat> that's about it. I think, I don't know, what, what do you think? Yeah, likewise, I think I agree with all those rookie options. I'd also, as the sort of in conjunction with the first part of your question, I'd be holding on to those mid-prices that are scoring super well as long as possible. Mm. So if you've got Zebel, Impy, Jath in your team, um, I'd be holding on to them. I don't think it's worth upgrading them just yet. I think you're better off holding them. I mean, Zebel's probably r- scoring like a top six forward at this stage. I think he'd be in his average would be right up there right now. Yeah, and probably likewise with MP and even even Giath is is scoring really well. Absolutely, and uh, thanks again to everyone who sends in their questions. Always good fun uh, posing. Uh, new ideas and perspectives to us as well. So definitely, thank you very much for that. And uh, for those people who want to send in some more questions or those who are listening to the show and think, yeah, I'd love to pick your brains. Where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at at supercoach underscore edge. You'll find Damon at at damoj88, myself at at l underscore evans underscore 95. On Facebook and Insta, you'll find us at supercoachedge and you can email us at aflsupercoachedge at gmail.com. Very, very nice. And uh, just in terms of uh, our Patreon as well, if anyone is keen to join our growing community on Discord, uh, where we're having some really, really awesome discussions with uh, with the crew in there, uh, great banter as well, which is always fun, livens up the mood, uh, you can do so through our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash supercoachedge. Not only do you get access, exclusive access to our Discord, you also get listed down as a contributor to our show uh, and help us do what we do every single week, which we love doing. And moving on to the Supercoach Edge group rankings, our round four highest scorer was Jared with his team Sacco Del Toro with a round four score of 2,409. Massive score there. Mm. And our overall leader, it's a carryover leader, with Ben from The King's Men, he has an overall score of 11,393. And his overall ranking is actually 12, which is a really good season. <laughs> Round of applause to you, Ben. Gee whiz. Great work, Ben. He's right in the... Uh, he's got the number one spot in his sight, so keep going, mm. son. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you do want to join our Supercoach Edge group, the code is 798-296. The winner at the end of the season walks away with uh, the ultimate bragging rights, a shiny ring from the Legends at Supercoach Championship rings. And you'll also get to feature on our final podcast. Absolutely. Get involved if you can. Free to do so. We're all trying to get at the top of the other, the top of the mountain of Supercoach, <laughs> the Supercoach Edge group. Um, so get involved. Free to do so. And uh, yeah, there's a nice shiny ring at the very top of the summit. Now with that, we're at the very end of the show. So uh, thank you again so much for tuning in and uh, must say all the very best to everyone's teams on the weekend. And uh, let's just hope that uh, that coach whose name we shall not mention does not throw a spanner in the works. So uh, all the very best to you guys. Good luck for the week ahead. Catch you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.